almost zero banter. I have no <laughs> idea what to say right now. <laughs> well, so thanks to the fact that I get our corporate emails as well. Do you like the fact that I can call us corporate? Oh, there you go. Oh, you were talking about us. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, okay, okay. I'm on board. So I, I saw there was something going back and forth between you and our roaster maker business. Yes. Did did they have anything worthwhile to say or? Um, so like I told you that the roaster, I did the firmware software update and it didn't work. So right. I walked out and Kristen calls it the universal fix. So I just smacked it three times uh-huh. and it started working. And so I roasted all day Saturday or all day Saturday evening after market. And we were down to, I got the first crack in 12 minutes pretty consistently without messing around with it too much and okay so that is pretty close to on par like i don't think i'm gonna be able to push it a whole lot more i'm still gonna i'm still pushing them a little bit the roaster manufacturer to see if there's something that they can they can tell me but it it looked like that firmware was causing an error and so now it is cooking with heat so i i can actually so now i can start roasting coffee faster which means we are roasting it instead of baking it so it should be sweeter instead of like that roasty baked cardboardy cardboard is like a flavor for baked and if you so if you cook it too long and too slow you end up with little sweetness and a lot of cardboard and so pulling it up to 12 minutes is gonna solve that problem so we're gonna be help us keep a lot more of the flavor in the bean yeah 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 so it should be should be really good i uh had like a half a pound, not even half a pound, a few ounces left over. So I think I'm going to grind that and take it to work and bounce it off some people and see how they're feeling it. And So it's not bad. It's exciting. It's uh, good to be able to roast two bags about every 15 minutes, be able to. I mean, it's probably like 20 minutes because it's got to reheat and rebalance. But I mean, right. two bags every 20 minutes is a lot better than two bags every one and three quarters hours. I was getting two bags before. So, yeah, we're doing a lot better now. That's awesome, man. And well, and it's it's good cuz it's always frustrating whenever there's a setback, but especially when the setback seems to be tied to this thing that you thought was going to be a huge step forward. Oh, man. And it was so hard for me to not internalize it and not apply it to myself and be like, "Oh, the, the machine's not working. That means I'm broken as a person." Because that <laughs> that makes sense every time. Right. No, no, no. Like and it is. It's kind of one of those things where you can recognize where it's absurd, but it doesn't change the fact that there's a part of you that still believes it's true. <laughs> exactly right. Oh, man. Well, and I think that's that's one of those things where, you know, I was reading something about how computer programmers, a lot of them will have this rubber duck, like, on their desk. Hmm. And the reason is they talk to it when they're stuck on a problem mm. because there's something for them to be talking to out loud. And when they hear things... They either are more aware of what they're saying and they catch some of the things, but I also feel like that's one of those that would be really helpful just in general, where it's, oh, you know what? No, that is stupid. It doesn't sound stupid in my head when it's just my thoughts, but when I actually hear the words, wow. When I say say that, yeah, that went differently in my head. Like, that sounded totally (laughs) different. Now now I feel ridiculous. It sounded Uh. so reasonable as thoughts, but once it was in English, it was just tragic. Uh, welcome to the podcast, everybody, where we're uh, having some delicious beverages and meaningful conversations. 
AJ, would you have anything good? Yeah, so I had, it was from the shop out in, I think it's, I can't remember now whether it's in Tempe or Scottsdale. Tempe, okay, good. Yeah, it's like just off, it's not on Mill, but it's... It's like just off mill. It's really it's tempting. Okay. It's almost it's basically right out off the the college town. Okay, cool. But yeah, so I would I went to the yard house to meet up with a buddy and we were hanging out and I got their church music, their hazy IPA. Mm-hmm. And it was really good. It was it's one of those ones where it tends to have a lot of kind of the citrus flavor to it, which yeah. helps keep the perceived bitterness from being real high because right. there's something kind of refreshing and almost juicy not quite i wouldn't go there but almost juicy in the flavor on it it was really tasty could definitely see myself drinking a few of those in a sitting yeah yeah they're doing definitely the shop is doing good stuff yeah the shop is doing excellent stuff right now they're uh they're kind of one of the well-knowns there's we have a couple of them in town like ren house is supposed to be the best brewery in arizona and, and then the shop is supposedly doing some awesome stuff and and right there and like number two or something. So they're cool. I would really like to meet those guys because they were the beer guys for cartel coffee when cartel did coffee and beer. And then they split that business and cartel did just coffee. And so they're doing their thing. And then the shop separated and started their thing. And so, you know, these guys know coffee, these guys know beer, like they're pretty darn close to our business model. So I would, I would love to sit down and talk to those guys one of these days. Yeah, definitely, man. That'd be great. How about you? You uh, try anything new and exciting or new and disappointing, like either way? That uh, is kind of where I'm at right now. I I don't have an official review, but I had a, I busted open one of my San Diego coffees and it's a roast. It's a roaster that I know to be a very good roaster. And I was super excited about this coffee and then had it. And I was, it was like, okay, you know, that's coffee. It's good. You know, which was disappointing because I had it amped up in my brain that it was going to be super sweet and super this and super oh, that. Yeah. And it was just kind of coffee. You know, it was good. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bitter. It wasn't anything. Uh, it just lacked distinct character. And, right. you know, I, it's funny, and I, so I, w- I want to try it again before I, like, throw out a full review, which I'll put on Instagram, but one of the things that I'm noticing is that South American coffees are so, and I, this is a huge blanket statement because South America is gigantic, and there's yeah. a bunch of different coffees that you can get out there, like, so this is not, not me lumping everything together as I lump out them all together. <laughs> If it seems like I'm making a broad sweeping statement, rest assured, it's only because I'm making a broad sweeping <laughs> statement. But these South American coffees are so straightforward, right? It's okay. just like chocolate and nutty, and and it's it's good coffee. I call it like I call it diner coffee, you know, not like it's right. bad and bitter, but it's just that basic coffee that goes with pancakes. It goes with everything, but it doesn't really stand out on its own. And that's I'm finding that I like. African coffees more and more. The more I'm drinking coffee, the more I'm really liking African coffees because they tend to have all of the things that the South Americans do and then something extra. So like okay. a little fruit flavor or a little something this. And, and I know there's you know parts of Colombia that have everything that the African ones do, but they tend to be in a price range that's a little bit beyond our reach right now. Yeah, fair and enough. And even, even a lot of the African stuff is beyond our reach. Like they, they get into the five to seven dollars a pound for the green coffee which i mean if you're doing a ton of coffee and you can 
you can handle that right on, but we don't have the cash flow for seven dollars a pound green right. right now, you know. So I think uh, as I think we're gonna stretch. I might start stretching out into Africa a little bit more when we like we're gonna do our Colombian coffee again, like you, like we agreed. But I think the next round we might look at Africa and see what they have for a chocolate base with some sort of citrus and see if it's if it's different if it comes out differently. I think that'd be fun. Sounds good, man. Absolutely, man. I love it. And then I had this uh, kind of an interesting experience. Uh, when was it? Yesterday? I don't know. It wasn't oh, very okay. long ago. It was just yesterday. And I'm sorry for those of you who actually are on our Instagram and Facebook because I'm going to retell some of this. But we there was a traveling Vietnam uh, memorial set up in Peoria at the park. So the wall, you know, the big black wall with all the names written on it right they had a a miniature one and it was set up and laid out and it was intense man like you don't we talk about these wars and we talk about all this stuff but then you go out there and you you know we don't i don't know anybody so it's not like we're gonna go out there and do rubbings of names or anything but you just look at it and it starts with one name and then as it goes down the wall it spreads to two lines and then three lines and then eventually the whole wall is filled with names and you're I think Kristen had a thing. It was like 60,000 names were on it. And you're just like, holy cow, man. And it just makes it so, so real. And it was it was intense. Some of those memorials, man, are are, are heavy. And this was just like, this wasn't even the real one. This was just like a, one for people who will probably never get to make it out to D.C. to see the real one. You know, they kind of do this... Oh. So it was it was super heavy, and one of the the interesting things, and one of the things that I'm having to deal with is uh, my oldest one. Now she's starting to become aware of the concept of death and dying, and dying means that I never get to see them again, and things like that. And so she gets super super sad around this. So I mean, it was kind of an opportunity to talk about it a little bit because you know in this setting it was like yes, you should you should be sad. Because we never right. want to for, we never want to forget the cost of war. Like this should never be something that we go into lightly, and this should be an impact. Remember, those are people, those names, and that was one of those things I kept saying. You know, these are actual; these were people, not just you know little letters. Right. And then you know, trying not to fall completely into despair, though, it was that you know, there's also something to to think positively around here. You know, don't just be sad but also be honored that there was this many people willing to sacrifice for us you know and i of course i wasn't going to get into politics of the vietnam war with no five-year-old no, but which just, is also an unfair thing to do to the soldiers whose names are on those walls anyway like also yep and so she was working through a lot of her emotions so she was getting she was very sad and we've been having to kind of cater our behavior recently because we've been noticing that she picks up on some of the common language we use like oh you're killing me or this will be the death of me and she'll see killing and death and she'd be like no don't die and you're like oh oh, man. oh oh wait no that's that's not what i meant i was just using this figurative speech that you don't understand yet because you're five and you don't <laughs> grab figurative speech and so we've had to be very very aware of how we reference death because she hears it and she responds to it very directly, very uh, like real life. Uh, And so that's kind of made us, you know, expanding that even more. It's made us very aware of, uh, and I guess when I say we, me and Kristen made us very aware of 
how much we use and see and talk about death in culture. And it's it's been really weird because it seems like right now, like death is, and I'm sure it's always been, but death seems very, very pop culture right now. I mean, we just had Game of Thrones, The Boys as a new Amazon show, and it just kind of seems to to glorify death and killing. And it's been right. weird because, and then, but it's not just that, you know, like you look into music and you look into regular TV shows, like it's, it's the dramas that we, that people love are all the hospital shows where everybody's always, it's always death and dying is always, you know, you look at Disney, the stakes is always because somebody died or because somebody's dying and somebody's yeah, going there to are die. No pa- there are no parents in Disney. I know they kill them all. It is ridiculous. Um, so it's just been one of those things that I have noticed recently and kind of wanted to get your your hot take on why why do you think we are so obsessed with death in in culture? Well, I mean, so one of the things that kind of comes to mind literally just now as you were talking about that and you're talking about how it's in all of these shows and what are the things that are popular and you know, with Game of Thrones, one of the big selling points for it was even the main characters, even the ones who you feel like, oh, I'm totally invested in this person. They've obviously got to pull through, you know, up mm-hmm. until the last season where things kind of changed. But for the most part, even major characters, fan favorites were getting killed. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is because we have become more and more numb like there's fewer things that we really feel and we're so used to everything because we Mm. get everything instantly whenever we want it as we go looking. And because of that, it feels like that might be the only way to invest stakes in these shows. Mm. There's nothing, there's like nothing else that will make it matter. And I feel like Boy, we've become sad. so saturated with all the other stuff, with all the other elements of life, that everything is too too short term. And so it's only when there's no coming back from something that we are able to really fully invest ourselves in it. And that's probably me being, probably my turn to make a overly sweeping statement and those kinds of things. But... It's... No, but I get it. Like, if you think about horror movies and, and scary stuff, which is, that's the point of those is to highlight that. It's not, I don't know that people go to those movies to to be, I don't know, to watch the stuff on, on the screen. What they're doing is they're going for, they're going for a, a high, basically, right? Yeah. You go in and you, usually there's kind of a mixture of, uh, nudity and sex scenes and then something jumps out and scares you so you're going to have a visual dopamine dump and then something is going to scare you and then your adrenaline pumps and so you are watching these movies and you're getting a physical response like your body is dumping dopamine and adrenaline yeah. at the same time and you're basically on the most natural high you can you can get and that's people going into something to feel that you know, I mean, I feel like it's kind of similar to, to drugs in general. I mean, it's you're going because you think that makes you feel instead of digging into stories. Like, I, I mean, at the same time, I also talk a lot of trash about 
British television because it's so slow and intellectual and right. people aren't getting blown up, you know, because so <laughs> my attention wanes. So I'm, I'm a hypocrite all at the same time. But I think you're I think there's something there in that it's the stakes is what makes people finally take it serious. Exactly. Because when you look at what are the things that are really demanding our attention and it seems to be either things with life and death on the line or sports. And I know yeah. that seems no. that seems like a huge break, but at the same time, even with sports, once the game is decided, it's done. There's a finality there. Mm. You know, mm. uh, that, that game between the Saints and the Rams last year in the NFC title game, everyone knows the refs missed that pass interference call. No one has any doubt about it. That call was wrong, and it had a huge impact realistically most likely if that call is made really really good chance the saints are winning and going to the super bowl against the patriots instead of the rams now whether that keeps the patriots from winning or not who knows that's impossible to say but it does make it possible but it doesn't matter we can complain about it all Mm -hmm. we want the fans in saint uh in new orleans i mean certainly have been they were showing up (laughs) to their game tonight they had their Monday night football game for the first of the back-to-backs tonight. And there were a bunch of people in costume as referees and all this kind of stuff. You know, they, they clearly haven't forgotten, but right. it doesn't change anything. Right. And so we still get that finality to it, that there just doesn't seem to be, you know. And that kind of goes in with other shows, too, where even people who didn't watch The Office tune in for the season, the series finale. When it's the end of everything. They always spike at the end though, huh? Exactly. There's always this idea of things that end and it's really over, I think is a big part of it. So do you think that just being in a state of luxury, meaning in America, you're, there's nothing that we can't overcome. Like I can, something bad happens. I can go get a different job and come out. Okay. Like we are in, a super luxurious lifestyle right now, right? There's not a whole, like people yeah. are complaining about fluoride in water because they have nothing better to complain about. <laughs> yeah. That's you, California. Um, is it, is it just that, that because now we're kind of feeling like we have nothing of consequence. And so we look for the only thing that does have consequence. I was going to say, I think more than the luxury thing, I think it's a comfort thing. Everything in life just feels, because if it was luxurious, then there's still that kind of excitement that comes from, you know, it's why people watch all those shows about rich kids being bad and those kinds of things. The luxury is still exciting, but we don't feel like we're in luxury. We feel comfortable. We feel safe. We feel like... Today, tomorrow will be today, just one day later. Right. And I think, which is not I a think, bad thing, I guess, in general. Not necessarily. I mean, so obviously the feeling of safety and those kinds of things. I'm not here to talk trash on that. It's a very right, important right, right, right. foundational thing. But at the same time, we're not to borrow a quote from Pope Benedict. We are not created for comfort. We're created for greatness. Mm. And I think, and I think oh, that's I like where that. a lot of our discontent comes in. 
is that we have settled for staying comfortable instead of doing things that would make us uncomfortable but carry the potential of something greater and much like watching sports you know i can't do this stuff so i want to watch someone else who can i'm not going to take this risk let's watch a show about someone who will Mm. and so i think there is i think there's some of that but i also think I don't want to get too far off of the idea of the role of death itself in this stuff. Right. Because sure, I do sure. think I do think that there is something very real to that as well from that perspective of it's very fascinating to me the way we as a culture seem to be ping ponging back and forth between this idea of, no, you should never discuss death. You're morbid if you do to yeah. let's only watch things that feature death prominently. Right. And I think what's weird to me about it is that it seems like we're really, really interested in death as long as it isn't ours. Yeah. I can second that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's this, there's this idea of, oh, death. It just makes everything so much more exciting because of this finality of all of it. But I, I don't want to have to actually, like, really deal with it. I want to continue pretending I'm immortal. Mm-hmm. And I think mm. I think it's really just sort of fascinating. It's almost like we're watching other people's deaths for the sake of having that stand-in. Right. Because we right. want to be focused on it happening to others, to these fictional characters, even ones who we're totally invested in and almost have talked ourselves into viewing them as friends and those kinds of things. But there's still a safe distance there. Yeah. Because I'm going to see this actor in something else, you know? Right. So, yeah, this so character is, a, is gone, but I'm still going to be seeing them. Right. So is that a type of avoidance? Yeah, I feel and like I, it is. And is, I mean, so I'm definitely one who avoids it because it, it's a lot for me to handle. Uh, <laughs> what what would be... Not, not unfair. I, mean, <laughs> I guess, and the downside that I think about just is... By avoiding it, that you you never really conquer fear, and so oh, you you kind you kind of have this perpetual state of fear, and and so then you do these things like a high, like you would go do watch a scary movie, so that you can numb yourself to it and never actually uh, accept it, embrace it, and move forward. Type of a thing. It's it's really well, an and you can even tactic. lie to yourself about it. You can even lie to yourself yeah. about it. Like, oh, no, no, no. I'm not one of those people who's scared of death. Look at how much of my time I spend watching, reading, listening to things all about it. Okay. Right. But. Right. When was the last time you talked about a will and testament? And please make sure to be clear on this. I'm not actually asking you to put that out on the, the podcast. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, but like. Who? When was, was the a last hard time? process. When was. Yeah, no doubt. You know, and. When you when was the last time where you really forced yourself to reconcile with the idea of what is waiting for your girls, you know, including your wife, if something suddenly were to happen and you were gone? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, I want to make clear there there is a balance here. Like as much as they talk about the idea of, you know, live every day like it's your last. Well, I mean, right. Okay. I get the sentiment there, but let's not be stupid. 
Because right. if it were your last day, would you go to work? <laughs> no, I assure you that's not where I would be. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and no, I, I shouldn't say no one. Almost no one would. Like, if you knew you had 24 hours left. I, I can't remember which show it was, but there was some show where someone got that advice. You know, got to live every day like it's your last and so the next day, it shows this guy, and he's giving away all of his stuff, and he's just, like, weeping openly with all of his friends and giving them big <laughs> hugs, and, like, he doesn't go into work and all this stuff. And it's like, then he goes to bed and wakes up the next day, oh, now what? Like, <laughs> yeah. So, so mm-hmm. you can't actually do that. But it is one of those things where I think it is good to be aware of and to occasionally make time to talk about and to think about yeah. those realities. Because, again, they are realities. Yeah, it kind of makes... I, we saw on Twitter there for a little while, there was a nun who was doing like 365 days of a skull on her desk. And so she was doing yep. memento mori. That's the one. Is that it? Uh, yep. Meditations on it. So this is something I would actually like a little bit of explanation on because that seemed crazy to me and it's very it seemed very normal to every or everybody perceived it as very normal and i was like am i the only one who thinks this is crazy like i would not want to think about that every day now granted she's no no i hear you you know she's convent she's on a different religious plane than me she's you know playing a different ball game but uh (laughs) at the same time i was like that that's a lot for me and yeah the a lot of the responses were that's morbid and that's things like that and so i don't know maybe what you can shed some light on that for me. Well, so here's the thing. I wouldn't necessarily say that's the intro level. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So there, there's for some religious communities, they talk about the idea of, so there's a group of Franciscan friars called the, the CFR. And I can't remember what that stands for. But one of the things I remember was the fact that they, pretty much end all letters and all communications and things between each other with a line about remember your death brothers. And yeah, if I were to start doing that on all of my letters, it's going to come across as really morbid because there is no setup there. There's no, there's no (laughs) building to that. But on the other hand, if that is part of your everyday spirituality is this idea of being aware of the fact That ultimately the things we do in this life, yes, they're beneficial for this life, but the ultimate goal isn't this life. You know, and so if that's a way that you help keep your priorities in check and make sure you're using your time the way you're supposed to and those kinds of things, Mm. then having that as an extra reminder, not not automatically morbid and not necessarily a big deal even. Right. But yeah, if you were to... So if you had a friend who just came into the church or something like that, and you gave them as their baptism and confirmation gift, you (laughs) gave them that sugar skull. And I mean, it's not actually a sugar skull. It was like a miniature, semi-realistic looking skull. Yeah. And if you you were to give them that, be like, hey, welcome to the church. Welcome to the faith. Just remember, (laughs) you're going to die. Like that's... That, that's a less than ideal approach. <laughs> I'd be like, what did I sign you know? up for? 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's going to be a lot of... Um, so, I know I asked you to be my sponsor, but if you could do me a favor and stop having any contact with me, that would be great. <laughs> so, yeah, no, no. like, it, But again, that's one of those things where it's about where are you at already. So that was that was a program that was built more for people who are already trying to practice that idea. And so this mm-hmm. is just another reminder. Right. Rather than people who are like, this is the introduction level course. Welcome to Catholicism. Prepare to die. Like that's not... <laughs> that, that, that's... That's really not the goal of that. Sounds like the introduction to like the space marines or something, you know? (laughs) Right. So it's kind of one of those things where where it gets tricky (laughs) is with social media. Where it's not something that you can post to a specific group on Twitter. It's it's, here's this. And then a bunch of people saw it who get what it is and understand it. And they got really excited and started sharing it. And all of a sudden it's something that's being shared with a bunch of people who are like, what the crap? Yeah. And so hopefully hopefully for most of them, they've got someone who they can have this kind of conversation with and understand. Or they messaged the sister and were like, I really don't understand this. And were able to have some kind of a brief exchange at least that brought a little bit of clarity to it. Yeah. Sometimes but, it would be good, yeah. But yeah, it's... And so, again, that whole idea of memento mori, that is ultimately what it's about. It's about our, our telos, our teleology, our, what our end is. What are we created for? And so that reminder, and it's a really awesome reminder, both in what we think of as the really good and the really bad situations. That idea of this isn't all there is. It, yeah. It's a good way to kind of keep yourself from getting too high or too low. And also, quite frankly, just to continue being aware of the fact that no matter what you do, the end is coming. And so as much as possible, especially for people who do have families and those kinds of things. So like me, for example, you know, heaven forbid, I'm in a car accident tomorrow and my life is done. That's sad. It's tragic. But other than the fact that someone's going to have to figure out what to do with all of the various junk I've accumulated over the years. (laughs) Like, that's that's kind of it. Like, if my income goes, if my income goes away, then if I'm dead, that doesn't matter. There's no one counting on that income. Yeah. You know, I had I had a story. From Best Buy, I was in the selling appliances, and there was an old lady in there, and uh, she was just kind of angry as her disposition, and <laughs> okay, just mad, and for no good reason because she was mad and needed to tell somebody and everybody. She basically was just cursing her husband the whole time because he didn't believe in life insurance, and he died and. She's there, and now she was struggling to get yeah. anything done. So she was, like, trying to buy a vacuum, and, like, I'm trying to help her buy vacuum bags for a vacuum that doesn't exist anymore, and <clears throat> just cursing it. And I tell you what, when you do have a family, it it does change it. I mean, that's when I started the coffee company, and because 
when I had my girls, it was kind of like, boy, this is all going to be over eventually. What am I going to have to show for it? And then not only what am I going to have to show for it is like, what is the legacy that I'm going to leave behind, right? And they are they going to see somebody and remember somebody who who you know didn't live in fear and pursued what they were what they wanted and you know all of these things or were they going to look at somebody who sat in a cubicle all day and hated his life and would go on vacation a couple times and you kind of have to sit there and think about you know like it's really weird the way kids make you they force you to think about uh, I guess legacy is the best word because that's kind yeah. of the thought of you after you're gone. And that's about the only thing that we really get to leave behind. I guess there's money to make sure that, you know, people are taken care of, but more importantly, it's going to be the impact that you had on people around you and the memory. And you have to craft that you have to be intentional about it. And if you don't consider the fact that there is an end, you will just continue to cruise in that comfort and you'll never break out of it. And so I, it, that's what it was for me, man. When I had kids, it was like, holy crap, I need to be serious about it. And that's when I started pursuing what I've always wanted to pursue but was too afraid to is because I wanted them to see somebody and remember somebody, model somebody who was willing to go after it and have that stick with them long after I was gone. And so you're right. I think there's this balance between being aware of it and being intentional in your and using it for – motivation to be intentional in your life versus either avoiding it or um you know obsessing with it which is you know not the healthy as we come you know most everything it's the middle of the pendulum is where everything is best it's neither side neither extreme is where we want to be right no absolutely and i think too it's really important that we just remember that we're not promised tomorrow, you know? So again, that idea of as much as I was kind of mocking the idea of living every day, like it's your last at the same time, you should live every day in Hmm. case it's your last almost, you know, this idea of if, if today were my last (sighs) day, did I make today a good one? Right. Okay. Could, could Could it end today? And I'm good with that. Jump in there with another kid story, man. I'm sorry. No, no, but go that's, for it, man. That's what we said, like, when we had our first miscarriage, or it was our only miscarriage, and we lost our baby boy. We actually, I was running a Tough mutter, and we put on our shirts, uh, tomorrow is not promised. And it was one of those things that were, like, we thought we had made it to that 12-week mark, which is supposed to, you know, like, the probability of miscarriage drops, like, 85% after 12 weeks. We miscarried at 13 and a half weeks. And so we thought we were safe. We thought we were in the clear, and then we weren't. And you're like, holy crap, I wish I would have stopped and appreciated things more. I wish I would have uh, been more intentional. And yeah. that that was our motto for a couple of years. That was tomorrow's not promised. So like we were very focused on just you appreciate what you have, and then you were we were being very intentional on what we were doing, creating, uh, living. It's... Man, it's it's huge. That there's a lot of benefit to it. Like it's hard, it's scary, but there is a ton of benefit to at least embrace to acknowledging the fact that that's real and that's gonna happen. Yep. 
even if it's just to motivate your current life, I think that's that's about as far as I'm emotionally capable of handling. So that's kind of where yeah, I'm at right now. Fair enough, um, man. It's it's a journey. And so I thought instead of doing a life lesson, uh, I saw in our notes that we both had a literature reference to yes uh, to death. And so why don't we do those? instead of life lessons this time around. So why don't you kick off yours? Sure thing, man. I mean, so again, I'm a big time Tolkien nerd. There are bigger than me. You know, I'm not trying to start any fights with any of the, you know, <laughs> tea with Tolkien could put me in my place. I really don't want to challenge Stephen Colbert to a Cimmerillion <laughs> throwdown or anything like that. But nevertheless, I am a pretty big nerd on this stuff. And so one of the things that's always stood out to me was the idea of what is sometimes called the doom of men in the Lord of the Rings universe. The idea that men, the the elves at the end of their time in Middle-earth, they sail off into the west and return to the land of the Valar. But they're still ultimately in this created world. And that's where they'll be forever. Men, on the other hand, the gift of Iluvatar, which is the name for God in the Silmarillion and in the Lord of the Rings universe, his gift to them is at the end of their time, they will leave Middle-earth entirely and return to Iluvatar. And they'll rejoin him outside of this created realm. And so I just, I think it's so cool how Tolkien wrestles with this throughout his writings, where what starts off as being this gift from the creator to his creation becomes something that's viewed as this punishment or this source of jealousy between them because they want to be immortal as the elves are. Our inability Mm. to recognize the good that comes from our lives not being infinite. And so that's kind of the, the reference that really stood out to me. And I don't want to go too far off topic with it, and bring in a million others. But if you think about it in almost every story where there are immortal characters, Mm -hmm. they end up weary, broken, worn down, exhausted because, or petty as by example will show. Yeah. And it's one of those things where if you have eternity in imperfection, that's kind of the only way it can go. And so the gift of our mortality, since we are in an imperfect world, the gift of the idea of that ending and us being able to make that trip, not by our own strength, but by the grace of God into that eternal perfection is definitely a gift. Hmm. Interesting. That's good stuff. Boy, Tolkien's deep, man. Like if you can get through all the trees and the hobbits, like there's some really (laughs) good stuff in there. I would argue and, that the hobbits are some of the good stuff and, you know, some of the trees <laughs> that end up talking and things like that. But no, I get what you the mean. The talking trees are different. Those I understand. <laughs> and so, like, something that's very, very me is that I love my Greek mythology and my classical right. literature, but then I understand all of it through Hollywood movies. <laughs> and, so, and so, even though, yes, I love Homer and I love the Iliad. The movie Troy is still one of my favorite movies. Like I, (laughs) I love that movie so much. All star cast. I could go on about it forever. Best fight scene ever put on screen. Um, 
But there's this line with uh, Achilles talking to Perseus. And, you know, she thinks he's just some warmonger, but he's actually um, pretty intelligent. And he talks about how, um, you know, like he desecrated some temple or whatever. And, and he was telling her that the gods are actually envious of humans because we're doomed. And because we're doomed, everything is more beautiful. Everything is more vibrant. Everything is more uh, important to us because our time is short. And like you were just saying, if you're immortal, the, I mean, the Greek gods were so petty because what oh, yeah. What do you have? You have nothing. And so they would just torment and torment and torment because they themselves were, were tormented. And, but men, humans couldn't, you know, you were doomed. And so you, you had your time and it was a flash of brilliance mm-hmm. and then you carried on. Um, and so that, that one always stuck with me and that, again, the intentionality of our current life is what's important to me. And that perspective is what sets that in place. So, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't. I don't like the idea of dwelling on it, but I like the idea of having it motivate my current decision making. Yeah, definitely, man. That makes a lot of sense. Right on. Right on. You got anything else on your brain? Nah, man. I'm pretty well spent. Cool. Right on, right on. I guess with that, we will say adieu. Hey everyone, thanks again for listening to another Inkledoo podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. We really enjoyed making it. If you did enjoy it, please do us a favor and make sure to share it on all your own social media so that other people can find us and enjoy us as well. 